0: literally push the record button phone rings this is my life my entire life and yes i'm gonna answer it so i'm about to record a podcast dad um i'll look at him and i'll call you back all right take care all right sounds good Bye. Bye bye Alright, so this is something that I can definitely highly recommend is have your wife or your spouse get surgery, right? It's great. It's awesome. You have tons of people who deliver food to you, edible arrangements. It's fantastic. You don't want to get surgery, though. That you want to be the person on the receiving end of all the gifts without the surgery. It's a fantastic deal. If you ask me, highly recommend 10 out of 10. But Welcome to Saleable. My name is Jared Haskell. Really excited to be talking about the ins and outs of wedding sales, and specifically, as wedding filmmakers, how are we selling our weddings? Um, For me, you know, sales really always comes down to more than just being on a phone call with someone, being on a Zoom meeting. Um, It really comes down to business structure, marketing, a lot of these other terms that we just kind of throw around a lot here on the Wedding Film School show. Um, and <laughs> you might ask, you know, why are we doing another show, um, here at Wedding Film School, Jay and I are, are currently producing a podcast, which is being released every other week, um, which I think is enough. And it's actually a lot of work even still, um, even though we're only producing it once every other week, uh, still a lot of go- lot goes into it. Um, I live about an hour away from our studio. So getting up there and making it so that both of our schedules are aligned um, can sometimes be a challenge, especially in the middle of just an insane wedding season. Um, So it's been tough, you know, and the idea here with doing an additional podcast uh, with just myself, um, I would say it's a a variant of the Wedding Film School show, which kind of focuses on my area of expertise, which of course is, is sales um and if you don't know anything about me or anything about jason and the businesses that we run uh we run three different wedding film companies uh all marketed at different tiers of pricing um and i do the sales for all three um it's something that i've been doing for going on 14 years at this point and so i have a lot of experience but um also looking to kind of hear your experiences as well I think everyone's different. Everyone has a different um, journey and everyone is at different parts of the journey uh, in growing their business. So uh, we're actually gonna be doing things maybe a little bit different. Uh, We are gonna be opening up an AMA um, uh, page, I should say, on our website, uh, Ask Me Anything, where you can write into us and talk to us a little bit about maybe what you're going through. If you wanna complain about a certain bride, that's your place to do it we can talk about it online well they'll never find out about it (laughs) Um, or you could just be asking about very specific parts of your business um, to either be spoken about um, on here saleable or on the wedding film school show with jason and myself so going to be opening that up very shortly Um, so let's talk about saleable like what does it mean to have a product or service that is saleable well Um, Webster's dictionary says offered or suitable for sale. It's really that simple. It's really that straightforward. I promise we won't read any more from Webster's dictionary on this podcast. Um, but I think it's good. It sets a base for actually what we're, what the hell we're actually talking about at the end of the day. So, um, you know, why, um, you might ask, do we talk about sales so much here at Wedding Film School? And I think it really comes down to when I look at people's businesses, I look at it from the product side and I look at it from also um, the sales side. Um, You know, you have one thing that you're actually producing, that you're making, that people pour a lot of time and energy into and they think, hey, if I have this great product, it will sell itself, right? Which isn't always the case. And that's something that we found out pretty early on in the life of our business uh, where we saw these incredible artists that were just doing amazing work um, and they couldn't get anyone to buy it. Uh, maybe they were charging too much uh, or maybe they just weren't getting it in front of anybody. Um, that's oftentimes a misconception uh, from a lot of creatives out there. You expect that you pour so much into it, you look at it and you say, no one else is doing this work. But if you're not getting in front of people, no one's going to be able to ever buy it. So. Um, And then, you know, on the other side, we early on saw a lot of people that were uh, putting out an okay product, I would even say sometimes a pretty subpar product, but they just had an excellent sales platform, and they were doing excellent marketing, and they were just super likable people. Um, I'm sure you've seen people like this as well. Um, So what is that middle ground, you know, I I think if you're listening to this uh, podcast, then more than likely you care about producing great wedding films. Uh, You care about the arts, you care about creativity, um, you care about um, just the craft um, that goes into filmmaking. And uh, you wanna put something out that is an expression um, of yourself and of a couple's story. I think a lot of people have a lot of different reasons why they do wedding films, Um, but on the opposite side, I probably more often I see people that just kind of throw in the towel when it comes to their sales process um, and they don't have a curated and customized sales process. So um, hopefully this podcast makes it so that you can essentially have a lot of shortcuts when it comes to the sales process. You, if you're starting out especially, um, you don't have to make all the mistakes that I made early on in our sales process. The uh, things that we learned early on, essentially the, the hacks of, of treating clientele uh, with respect and just giving them great customer service um, from the get-go um, without having to go through all the growing pains. Uh, that's kind of the idea here. So um, so sales is, is obviously important, and, and despite of what some people might want, we're not going to stop shutting up about sales and, and the process uh, that goes along with that. So today's topic, we're going to be talking about how is your pricing saleable? That's the question that I want to ask you is how is your pricing, um, selling itself essentially. Um, so that can mean a lot of different things. I'm going to start out with a pretty, um, generic question that, um, a lot of people have argued about on Facebook groups for decades or I would say a decade and a half since Facebook started. Uh, I promise you people have been talking about this question, which is, should your pricing be on your website? Um, You'll have people on both sides say, yes, you know, here are the pros and cons. No, here are the pros and cons. Um, I'm gonna go through both because I think there's a time and a place where either approach can work really well for yourself. And I can tell you from my perspective of running my own business, we do both uh, depending on the company. So, um, you know, what what is the the pros of having your pricing on your website? Obviously, if you're doing a lot of weddings and getting a lot of inquiries, it is going to weed out a lot of people. By having the pricing on your website, say you're charging $10,000 for a wedding film, you're not gonna have to contend with uh, you know, as many inquiries reaching out because you're going to kill that lead before they even reach out. They're gonna have a little bit of sticker shock. They're gonna say $10,000 is way too expensive for a wedding film for us. Um, and they are going to stop the sales process at that point. Other people might say, you know, maybe it's one out of 50 or one out of hundred people will be like, that's what we were thinking. $10,000 makes total sense. Let's move forward. Um, whereas, you know, majority of your people are going to turn away at the gate. Um, on the other pers- uh, side, if you're only charging a thousand dollars for your wedding film, that can be a real plus for you. Uh, where you're getting a lot of people coming through the door saying, "I want to spend a thousand dollars on a wedding film. That's cheaper than anyone else has quoted me. Um, so it can be helpful to your sales process and it can get more people to reach out. It really comes down to um, what your goals are for your business. On the other perspective, where you're not putting any you know pricing on your website, um, you're probably going to have everybody who hits your website who likes your work, reach out to you because they don't know how much you charge. Um, now, a lot of people will kind of counter um, this and do a little bit of a hybrid um, kind of approach and saying, hey, we start at $4,000 just to give people an idea and turn some people away who aren't even in the ballpark of you know how much you're going to be charging for your services. I think it does a service to um, the, the client, to the couple, by letting them know like, hey, this is kind of ballpark where we're at. That way you're not wasting their time. They're not waiting for you to respond to them before they're reaching out to another videographer. You are cutting it down. So it really all depends what your approach is. Are you trying to get a lot of people in the door and talk to them and, and maybe get them to um, spend more money than they anticipated? That could be a good approach for somebody. Um, and you're just, uh, maybe uh, you, you're thinking that they're gonna like you enough and just say, hey man, I really like these people. They're more expensive than anyone else. We weren't expecting to spend, X amount of dollars on a wedding film, but let's give them a chance. We really like them. Um, I think that could potentially be a really good approach for some people. Some people, um, you know, are just like, Hey, I don't have time to swoon people. Maybe you might even be somebody who's like, I'm not going to get on the phone and sell someone with my personality. I'm just really good at creating wedding films. I really don't want to talk to people on the phone for very long and feel like I'm being this try hard, trying to get people to buy right. Um, I would say probably a couple things to that person. First of all, learn how to be nicer <laughs> and then actually want to do sales because it is a part of your job. Uh, but at the same time, I can understand you not wanting to talk to every single lead who comes in the door. Um, you might want to turn a lot more people away at the door because you have the demand in order to be able to do that. So, um, question for you and, and, uh, you know, everyone at home is, you know, should the pricing be on your, is your pricing currently on your website? Um, I'll say for us, and I'll dive into like our three different branches uh, of of our company. Um, You know, we have a super high-end luxury brand called Huxley Film um, that is really catered towards more wedding planners, uh, selling the wedding planners, um, and the couple essentially will do whatever the wedding planner tells them to do. So we have relationships with planners. Um, We don't need the pricing on our website. Because A, if it's a planner we've worked with in the past, they probably already have a PDF of all of our pricing, first of all. Um, second of all, um, it's not something that um, we're really getting as many leads for, uh, because it is a newer branch of our, um, of our business. And uh, we just don't have to try to get as many leads and we're not talking to as many people. So it's really not something that we've had to worry about much so far. Um, it also, I think gives an air of just like classiness by just being like, when you go into the Gucci store, sometimes they don't even have pricing on their products. They're just like, Hey, you come, you came into Gucci, you're expecting to spend money and whatever that bill ends up being, you're probably going to pay it. Cause you can afford Gucci or Louis Vuitton or whatever it is. It's a luxury product and seeing it that way, um, it, it can be beneficial to you. Um, and honestly, like, I think wealthy people, you know, they care a lot about money, but at the end of the day, they are going to make decisions based on what they want and not necessarily how much it costs. So that's an approach. Um, you know, our middle tier company, um, we, where we start at forty two fifty and we go up to $10,000. We actually just transitioned from keeping our uh, pricing on the website to pulling it off of the website completely um, for a couple of reasons. One reason for us is that we wanted to um, get more people to just reach out. So now anyone who likes our work and reaches out to us, uh, we capture them as a lead. Um, And this is something that we can just uh, essentially when they do reach out, we do send them a brochure immediately, automatically, which has all of our pricing on there. But the reason why we want to capture everybody um, is that I don't want to turn anyone away because I can still capture people that... Um, even if they can't afford stop, go love forty-two fifty to $10,000. Now I have the lead. I can send them down to our third branch of, of the company called merriment films. So even if someone says like, Hey, our budget is $2,000, uh, we can't afford stop, go love. Instead of allowing them to make that decision while they're on the website, they don't even reach out. They're going to reach out. I'm going to say, this is what stop, go love costs. And they're going to say, that's too expensive. And I can say, go down to this other company that we have merriment films. Here are the perks of this company, we started $2,000, dollars we got up to 3500, or 3750. So it just allows me a little bit of play with that lead. So again, it really comes down to what are you trying to do? At the end of the day, you're trying to get more people to reach out? Are you trying to get less people to reach out? Who is your clientele? Um, So how should you approach pricing like the actual dollar amount? This is another question that I think is worth asking yourself. I think this question really coincides with what is your business strategy right we talked a little bit about three different strategies for our business uh at stop go love and Merriman and huxley um what is your strategy in general I, i think that's a question to ask yourself right off the bat and here are really four different questions that i would ask if i was just starting out right off the bat so first thing pretty obvious pretty simple is how much money are you trying to make right How many dollars do you want in the bank account at the end of the year after you work your ass off crushing wedding films? Um, And knowing the difference between your net and gross is a pretty important factor in this uh, conversation. A lot of wedding filmmakers will be like, yeah, I make six figures shooting weddings, no biggie, blah, blah, blah. Uh, But really, at the end of the day, that ain't their net. That's their gross. That's how much money is coming in the door. But then they spend $50,000 on gear on running things on outsourcing, whatever it takes uh, to run a business, you have costs associated with it. Um, so if your costs are $50,000, you're only making 100k, take homes only $50,000. Is that enough? Do you want more? What do you need to be able to live on? Are you married? Do You have a significant other? Do you live with your parents? Do you live it, you know, on your own, like, What's your lifestyle like? So these are the questions you want to be asking yourself. Uh, The next one is how many weddings do I have to take in order to make that amount of money? Or how many weddings do I want to work in order to make that amount of money? Ideally, it'd be, you know, hey, I shoot two weddings for $100,000 each, right? That would be fantastic. Good luck, I would say, first and foremost. Um, (laughs) Most of us have to shoot a lot more weddings to be able to make that amount of money. Um, So the question is, what's right for you? Is it shooting 30 weddings at $5,000? That's $150,000 on the year. Um, $50,000 expenses does $100,000 of um, gross satisfy you and what you need to be able to make to be able to pay your mortgage and your car bill or whatever. Um, do you want to do less? Do you want to do 20 at you know $10,000? That's $200,000. The question to be asking yourself at that point is, can you sell 20 weddings at $10,000, right? Um, Do you want to do less? (laughs) I think uh, people that have been in the industry, these are the questions that they're asking themselves is can I do less, 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 make more, more, more? Um, Which is definitely an approach. Um, But it kind of leads me into another question that I would ask if I was first starting out, which is, um, do I want to solo operate or do I want to run a studio with a team? Uh, and just do more weddings. If that's not in your blood, totally fine. Makes sense. I don't think it's in a lot of people's blood. It is a ton of work. Um, But I can just tell you from experience, it makes a lot more money. Of course, there are more expenses. But at the end of the day, I think most people who are running studios are just making more uh, profit for themselves at the end of the day, because you have employees doing a lot of the work. And I mean, this is another conversation. We probably talked about it on a different show, but if you are having everyone else do the work that you don't want to do, that's also a plus, right? Um, and lastly, just, is this a part-time job or is this a full-time job? Some people make plenty of money. You're working Monday through Fridays and they just love shooting weddings on the weekends. Maybe they're filming you know, 10 weddings a year and they want to charge $3,000 and they're making an extra 30K on the year because they love it. Um, that's perfectly acceptable as well. Maybe that's you. So um, these are all the questions that I would ask when I'm talking about business strategy off the bat. So now that you have your business strategy, like what some of your goals are, I think that's when you can really start talking about your pricing um, and how much you want to be charging uh, because that, that's the number that's gonna help you achieve those goals of just how much money am I trying to make for how much work I'm trying to exchange for that money, right? So here are a couple kind of approaches I found when kind of setting your base pricing, um, especially if you are new to the space. Um, And when I say new to the space, you could be very green. Maybe this is your first year even doing media at all. Um, And you're just like, hey, I did it for a friend. They really liked it. Now I'm trying to pick up some other work. Or it could be someone who's really been in commercial work or been doing other types of media, and they already have a certain skill set and now they're hopping into wedding films and they think maybe I can make a little bit of a career. Maybe it's just a little bit of a side hustle. Um, Both are totally fine options. Um, And I would say the approach will be different for different types of people. So let's talk about the first person, which I would probably say is the the newbie starting out. That person I would say um, should start small and grow from there, right? So if you are doing your first wedding film, I have no problem with someone doing a wedding film for free when they're first starting out. Uh, Because then they're just trying to get their systems in play, whatever, you put it out in the universe, and then um, see what people are willing to pay for it. Really, Um, I would say compare your product with other product out on the market, um, if it's better or worse than somebody. And then I would say, try to find someone who's pretty similar in terms of skill set as you, and then just undercut them. (laughs) And and undercut is a word that people aren't going to like in the industry at all. Uh, because it um, uh, kind of, I don't know, objectifies. Uh, why don't people like the word undercutting? That's a good question. Uh, because it, it's been around forever. You know, the, it's a business term. Maybe that's why people don't like it. Um, but I think it is worth undercutting. Not just because you are stealing work from someone else. Which, by the way, that's the entire industry that we're in. We're all stealing work from each other. Somebody likes someone else's work or someone else's price better than you or them or whatever. That is the market that we're in, right? It's just, let's be honest about it, right? Uh, So, um, undercut that person. And I think the undercut is actually justified for the person that's breaking into this industry because um, they have a lot of that they still have to figure out when running their business. So undercutting isn't really undercutting. You're just priced lower because you don't have the experience that someone else has, right? So it's not really undercutting. Can we agree there? Can we all get along (laughs) on what that term is? Uh, But I think that person starts there. And as you're growing your skill set, you're also growing your prices, right? So that's a good approach for someone who's just breaking into the industry. Um, Another person is somebody who's been in maybe a different part of the industry doing media, and they want to get into wedding films. We just talked about that person. Um, I think this person, um, oftentimes from what I've seen, is this person wants to have a very curated type of film that they're creating. They don't want to go to some ballroom, they don't want to you know, go through the grind of shooting weddings at you know, the Holiday Inn for three years before they can start doing the work that they want to do. They want to find very specific types of couples Uh, maybe they want to go to Yosemite or Italy or do a very specific type of thing. Um, and I would say for them, you know, create the ideal product and then find the right client. Now, when you're doing that, um, there are plenty of other people that are probably doing the type of work that you want to do. Maybe it's what inspired you to get into this work in the first place. Um, and so they obviously are charging a certain rate, more than likely this person isn't going to have their pricing on their website. Um, so I think it's worth reaching out to that person. Um, uh, I'm gonna leave the, uh, morality out of the equation in terms of like reaching out to that person, uh, masked out as a interested couple that happens literally all the time. I know it happens to us all the time. People want to find out what we're charging our clients. Uh, I might even hop on a pe- on the phone call with people and I'm like, these aren't competition. <laughs> that happens. And if you're one of those people, I can tell, because the conversation always goes so different than an actual bride or groom. Uh, But I don't really have a real problem with it other than, you know, they're wasting my time. Um, They're never going to buy and they're going to just disappear and copy and paste our prices somewhere. Um, I think our prices stand up the competition. But anyways, I digress. Uh, (laughs) That person who is um, trying to create a, a unique experience, find what the pricing is, find what essentially will um, at least cover cost, right? Um, and and um, find what your hourly rate is going to be. And I think that's a good place to hop in. It's just, again, finding what other people are charging. Um, you could probably charge what you're worth at that point because you have the experience in another field, whether it's commercial, or whatever. Um, but I would say that's probably a place to start. And then as you're growing, Raising prices over time to be able to accommodate. So those are two different approaches that I've seen in terms of laying the the groundwork for what your pricing is going to be. Um, which brings up another question, which is just the whole packages versus a la carte kind of discussion. Um, you know, are packages still relevant in 2022 um, versus the approach of having kind of a baseline and then building off of that according to what a couple wants. Um, I do think in 2022, uh, people want options, right? They want to be able to build their own packages. Uh, there's not a one size fits all thing. Like there was 20 years ago when someone would just show up with a, you know, camera on their shoulder and film the ceremony and dick around, walking around, talking to people and getting their reactions and talking to the bride and groom on camera. Um, that was just one approach. Nowadays, there's a million different options. Um, and newer options every year, um, people seem to always be coming up with new ways to be able to sell different types of of product, uh, as wedding filmmakers. So, um, you know, packages are great because I think it does, um, the thing about packages that I personally like is that it does allow people to spend more money with, uh, and also will save them money, you know? So for instance, say you have a baseline package that's $5,000, um, and if they were going to go to the next package, maybe it's $7500, so we're talking about uh, people that have a, a little bit of money here. Um, and then your third package is maybe $10,000, all different services, maybe different shooters, different deliverables, etc. It allows the person to pick and choose what they would like. Um, and then when you kind of have this like hybrid approach of, hey, here's an a la carte menu to add to these packages. Um, That's the approach that I personally like because it allows people to um, see with their eyes like, hey, if I was going to add these three items from the a la carte menu to this base package, it would cost way more than that $7,500 package. So it's actually a good deal and allows them to bump up to the higher package, just spend more money um, because they feel like they're getting a deal. So that's the reason why I like packages and kind of a hybrid approach to the packages versus a la carte uh, kind of feel. A la carte, um, people are great too, where they just start with the base package, this is how much I'm going to cover. And then you add on each individual edit that you'd like to um, or edit or service, I should say um, that you'd like to. Um, The good thing about this is, it always allows people to add services, especially edits, even after the wedding day, which we've seen a lot of success with Um, people that maybe want to um, uh, add a ceremony or toast, This is what happens a lot, guys, is people will often come back after the wedding, it could be a day after the wedding, it could be a year after the wedding and say, I didn't realize that this person's toast or dance or whatever was going to be so impactful to me until the actual day came. Uh, So having that a la carte item to say like, hey, we can still produce this for you. Uh, We still have the footage, we'd love to put it together for you um, is a good option. And I don't know where you live, but where we live our work is very seasonal so we're filming may to like october we're swamped we're really busy but we're begging for work come january february so this is the kind of work we'll send out a mass email to all of our clients saying hey if you want additional edits this is how much it would cost maybe we're running a sale and we can you know fill up our schedule in the off season with these a la carte items so personally i like the hybrid approach packages a la carte items kind of using both Uh, to our advantage. Um, But there are definitely perks and you have to find out what's best for you and your people. Um, Now, uh, this leads to kind of another question, which is, you know, when should I be actually raising prices? And and what should my approach be when raising prices? Right? It's a great question. Everyone deals with it over time. Um, I think there's a million reasons why you might want to raise pricing. Uh, the main reason, by the way, is just you want to make more money, right? Everyone wants more money. Uh, but I'd say um, the approach is, is kind of um, something that you should think about, especially if you're starting out. Like, when am I going to start raising prices? Because if you're first starting out, you're probably not charging enough. You're probably making, honestly, less than minimum wage. So we have to get that rate up. Um, so the first thing to ask yourself is just, what is your hourly rate? Um, this is a hard question for a lot of wedding filmmakers because, um, it's hard to keep track of, right? Um, the first part is pretty easy. Like how many hours am am I going to be on site actually filming this damn wedding? Is it eight hours? Is it 10 hours? Whatever. That's easy to add up. It's the editing side that starts to get a little bit swampy and can vary from project to project, right? Um, so I always recommend, especially when people are first starting off, keep track of your hours. It's easy enough. For you to just have a time tracker there's a million free ones online you can just have a stopwatch on your freaking camera uh or i'm sorry on your phone if you wanted to and that would be an easy way to keep track of how much time you're spending in the edit bay when you're first starting off it's going to take you a while it's going to take you 20 to 30 to 40 to 50 <laughs> hours to be able to produce a wedding film it's freaking hard guys um but hopefully over time, you're able to see that progress, you can set goals for yourself to bring that number down. Um, I can say on our end, we're probably uh, I try to get our team and our editors to finish a film in about 12 hours. That's me personally, Alex Douglas, Ray Roman, they're probably spending a lot more time on their edits, because um, frankly, they charge a lot more money than I do. Uh, so they can and they that, that's great. And their clients actually demand that. So yeah. Um, so that's what I would say, keep track of your hours, because then you can actually keep track of what your hourly rate is, and what you want that to be. Um, that's going to help you hit those numbers of just how much money you want to be making at the end of the year, um, in terms of profit. So, um, so when should you raise prices? I would say um, it should always be due to demand, right? Um, if you are fully booked, if you're saying, hey, I did my 30 weddings at five grand a year, that's great how much more room for growth do you have there um if you were charging you know instead of five grand you were charging seven um, would that number go down to 25 weddings on the year and would you be okay with that would you hope to still do 30 weddings at 7k because you want to make more money um, it's really just a question of what you want more of time or money um, so demand is the biggest thing now the approach of raising rates is another question um, I would say there's there's three different approaches to um, raising your prices. The first one is going to be just uh, a fixed booking raise. So a lot of people do this very successfully where after five weddings um, of a certain rate, they want to raise their rate by 5% or 3% or 2%, whatever it might be. Um, of course, if you do it this way, your prices have to be off your website um, because you're going <laughs> to, frankly, it seems really tough. If you're raising rates and changing your website, every five bookings, like, that seems hard to keep up with, And you're going to have other people who reach out three months ago asking what their rate is, just seems like a hard thing to kind of keep up with. Um, So um, this can be really successful, though. And it's a way that you can just gradually be raising rates without really even thinking much about it. Um, And just keeping track of like, okay, demand isn't going down, we're just slowly raising rates over time. And you can probably see yourself making more money, you know, pretty quickly doing it, this approach for us personally, we do it seasonally. Um, I think we take a lot of, um, factors into consideration, stupid nerdy stuff, like inflation, like, um, demand in general, COVID definitely created a lot more demand. So just in general, um, with this being a seller's market, we were able to raise prices and without seeing any demand go down. Um, And it also kind of works with the inflation conversation as well. Um, And also, I think our work has gotten a lot better. So there were a lot of factors that went into like, we feel confident about that. Let's set it at these prices and just see where things go. And there was absolutely no drop off. So that was encouraging. It's always really scary, right? When you're raising prices is one of the scariest things you can do is, uh, is raise prices, because what happens if the phone stops ringing, like, then you're shit out of luck. And then you're having to play catch up, right? You lower prices and you try to get those old people back in the door. Um, but maybe your ideal clients uh, that are booking a year out, they're already gone. So it is a scary proposition. Um, and then I, <laughs> I've seen some people do this, probably more on the photo side, is a uh, per client raise or, or deciding the price depending on the type of client that they're working with. Um, some people uh, have people reach out, and they have people tell them a lot about their wedding, and then they give them a very custom price based on if they like the couple, how much of a pain they seem like they're going to be, how many locations maybe they have to go to. So there's a lot of factors that go into this person, uh, to this person's decision making for how much this wedding is going to cost. So it's really based on what the wedding itself is going to be, not necessarily on how many hours are going to be there or whatever. It's more mental and then also uh how many actual man hours you're going to be putting into this project i wouldn't recommend this because it just seems like literally the worst thing ever imagined (laughs) so uh, lots of different approaches for that um in terms of pricing but at the end of the day guys pricing is personal um these are all questions that you have to be asking yourself there's not like a magic Uh, this is right and this is wrong kind of uh, answer to what you should be pricing yourselves and how to make your pricing saleable. Um, But I would say when it comes to um, you be asking these questions, be asking these questions often of yourself. Um, You know, when should I be raising my rates? Um, What is my competition doing in general? Um, These are all questions that help you sell more, hopefully more weddings. Or more of the weddings that you want to be doing specifically. Um, and uh, yeah, that's the goal at the end of the day to be having the business, the thriving business that you want to create and the one that matches your lifestyle the best. So hopefully this has been helpful guys. Um, I want to remind you that if you are uh, a wedding film school member to submit your films through the weddingfilm.school film uh, website. Uh, that's a way that you can get your films in and really go to the top of the list when it comes to us picking out which films we're going to be reviewing on Wedding Film School Live. If you're not a member, guys, go on to Wedding Film School on YouTube and uh, be, um, be become a member. It's an easy way for you to get priority over other people who are submitting their films. Um, and this is just a great way that we can critique people's wedding films and let them know what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. It's typically with Jason, Bobby, and myself, or at least one of us going through wedding films, talking about uh, how we can get better. So that's the easy way to do it. Uh, As usual, check out The Wedding Film School Show. uh, Wherever you're listening to this, whether it's on YouTube or wherever you can find podcasts, um, it is on both sides. And if you wanna see our pretty faces, make sure you're checking out YouTube guys, this has been great. Hopefully this is helpful. Make sure you're also submitting your questions on weddingfilm.school slash AMA. That's where you can actually reach out and ask us questions um, that we can bring up at the end of our show. Um, guys, this has been great. Really fun. Hopefully it's been helpful. We'll see you next time here on Saleable.